Good morning to you early risers of the 9 a.m. And thanks for leading us in the music and worship uh, team. We appreciate your uh, leading us into God's presence through musical worship. So let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you, and no show of hands, but how many of you have ever experienced an unexpected change in plans? Yes, I think at some point we have in various degrees, right? Like maybe, maybe um, you from a young age thought you were going to be like in the medical profession. You're going to be a doctor or a psychologist, uh, but you end up in the armed forces. Or maybe you, since you're like a kid or junior high, you thought you would be serving God in the mission field and somewhere, someplace in the earth, and you've never left the province at 40 years of age. Or maybe you thought and hoped and dreamt that you would have this huge family and God has seen fit to not allow you to conceive. Or maybe the reverse. You didn't really want kids, and now you have like four. <laughs> so a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, we went to seminary together. His name is Jeff. And uh, Jeff did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, and he became a Christian while he was in college. And he was studying to be an engineer. And so uh, he became, got his degree in engineering, chemical engineering, and he joined this firm. And uh, he was really proving himself at this firm. He was really advancing, and people were taking note of his excellence, uh, so much so that other people in the other divisions of his company, they were actually coming to him, and they're trying to poach him for their own division. And so Jeff kind of saw his life trajecting in a particular way, you know, rise up through this company, then eventually start his own uh, engineering firm, something along those lines. But then something happened, something off the radar, something completely unexpected. Jeff started to sense that God was calling him to full-time vocational ministry, calling him to leave his profession as an engineer and go follow that call to seminary and then elsewhere after that. And that was completely off his radar, right? Because remember, he didn't grow up in the church, so he wasn't uh, used to the rhythm of going to church every week and going to children's ministry and then going to junior high, weekly junior high ministry and then going to senior high ministry and college and careers. That was not his life. So, uh, in fact, when he's now sensing that God might be calling him to do this, wow, that was completely off of his radar, like completely unexpected. He never saw it coming. In the text that I want to take us to this morning, Joseph never saw it coming. Right, the story is found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. I invite you to turn there with me. He never saw it coming. In fact, he was kind of really, he was kind of blindsided, blindsided by these circumstances. And maybe you've come here this morning and you feel right now that you've kind of been blindsided by the circumstances that you're encountering. Maybe um, financially, right? You, you've worked hard to, to reach a certain stage in life, and then the last 20 months have just turned everything upside down. So now you find yourself in a particular position financially that you never anticipated at all. Or maybe relationally, a relationship within your immediate family or extended family or in the church or in your work that has just kind of gone off the rails, and you never anticipated that. Never expected or anticipated that at all. 
If that's you this morning, then it's, it's certainly been my prayer, and it's my hope that you will really sense God impart grace to you this morning through his word, that you will sense in your spirit that God is imparting fresh grace to you to live the life that he's called you to live. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, uh, the, the theme that I want to show to you from this passage is simply this, that God sometimes changes our plans so that we might play a part in his plans to change the world. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, and if you're able, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Hear the word of the Lord. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we, we pause to invite your Holy Spirit uh, to move through the word that he has inspired uh, t- to move on our hearts accordingly, according to the needs as you see our needs. God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to respond to what the Spirit does through his word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So you may be seated. So God sometimes changes our plans so that we might play a part in his plans to change the world. How do we see this play out in our story? Uh, Before we actually get to the text, let me just give you briefly a little bit of the context. I could actually keep you here for weeks talking about the context, but I'll just bottom line it like this. So Matthew, one of the original 12 disciples, is writing this approximately 70, 80, give or take, writing to uh, Jewish Christians who are still, who are like in the north, uh, Syriac, Syria, Antioch, Galilee, in that area, writing to Jewish Christian communities who are still engaged evangelizing Jews. Right, so you know how you have Paul, the Jew, who's evangelizing Gentiles, and Peter, whom Paul calls the apostle to the Jews, the Matthians, are still engaged in the synagogue, reaching their kin with the gospel, which is why you have one of the themes in Matthew's gospel, the fulfillment of Scripture, right? How Jesus fulfills Scripture, right? We call the Old Testament, but that's Scripture to the Jews in that day. So, God sometimes changes our plans so that we might have a part to play in his plans to change the world. Uh, The text kind of breaks down into two points. The first point is this, that God sometimes interrupts our plans with his plans, right? God sometimes interrupts our plans with his plans. Look at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. 
his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. So Joseph had plans. His plans were to marry Mary. The word for pledge there, it's not kind of how we think of pledge, because we think of pledge as kind of like a somewhat of a promise of a probability of something that's going to take place. But in this day, in this day here, like a pledge, a betrothal was a guarantee. Like unless one of the people died, it was a guarantee that these, this couple who were betrothed to one another, they're going to get married. It was a guarantee. It was a done deal. And so Joseph, being betrothed, and in fact, he's called husband right in the text before it actually takes place. So Joseph knew, by virtue of this betrothal, betrothal how his life was going to go. Right? He knew that there was going to be a wedding, solemn wedding ceremony before the presence of God, and that uh, there was going to be the consummation of their, of their marriage that night, and then they were going to settle in his hometown. He was going to ply his trade as a carpenter. Mary's going to be the homemaker and build a home, and they're going to have kids, and the male kids, the sons, were going to follow Joseph in his footsteps and be carpenters. Like, that's kind of, once he was betrothed to this particular person, Mary, that's what he was expecting. He had plans. You know, when you get married, you kind of have plans, right? Like, you kind of figure, okay, we're planning for the ceremony, and then we have that wonderful wedding ceremony, and then there's uh, the honeymoon, and then after the honeymoon, uh, you settle down, and you you have your first home, which might be a rental, so you can save money, or it's a starter home. And then as your family expands, you have to leave your starter home to your forever home. Like, we kind of have this in mind in our hearts as we're approaching uh, the marriage, right? Well, my wife and I, in the first seven years of our marriage, we lived in two different countries, four different cities, eight different dwelling places. And it wasn't about witness protection. (laughs) That would have been easy. So, you know what, we can't assume that we always know God's plans. Like, sometimes we do, but we can't make that assumption, right? My buddy Jeff, he assumed, he, he knew where his life was going. I have these skills, I have these abilities, I'm making a path for myself in this field of engineering. His life is trajecting a certain way. But God sometimes interrupts our plans with his plans. The nerve of God. Well, yes, God has a nerve. And here's the thing. Our initial response to God's plans is often the wrong response. Let's keep reading in verse 18. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph's initial response when Mary shares this news with him, Joseph, I'm pregnant. He shares this, she shares this news with him. His initial response through the hurt, through the sense of betrayal, anger, he's going to divorce her. And he has God's permission Right, Deuteronomy 24, 1-4 says he has God's permission to divorce his wife because of her marital unfaithfulness as he perceives it. And not only does he have God's permission, but rabbinic law at that time mandated that he divorce her. 
But because he's a righteous person, a righteous man, he's not going to out her. Right? He's not going to publicly shame her. Right? He's not going to post her on the cheater's website or on Facebook or on social media of some sort. He's not going to do that as angry and as humiliated and as, as hurt as he is. He's not going to out her and publicly shame her because he's a righteous man. But nevertheless, he's still about to do the wrong thing. His initial response is still the wrong one. You know, when my friend Jeff recognized that uh, God was calling him to full-time ministry, so he left his career as an engineer, and he went to seminary, and he did a year at that seminary, and then he ran out of money, which kind of happens sometimes, I guess, and uh, not I guess, I know, I've lived that. So anyway, (laughs) he comes back home to financially refuel So the goal is, I have these remaining years of seminary left, I've got to pack away this amount of money in a shorter period of time so I can get back to it. So he comes back and he's looking for, you know, occupation, a job in his field because he's going to make way more money in engineering than you are as a pastor, right? And so he's looking and looking and, and no open doors. But then this church in Ottawa comes Here's about Jeff says, hey, would you consider being our youth pastor? And Jeff is like, hmm, let me see. Uh, I'm not a youth guy. He already knew that. He didn't know exactly where he'd go in ministry, but he knew he wasn't a youth guy. This was a small church. So this was a brand new position at a small church. And so they're paying him peanuts because it's a small church and they don't know how much they can really afford. So they're paying him peanuts And this is, in 1999, 2000, the high-tech boom, Ottawa, Silicon Valley North. Nortel is the king of the hill. So Ottawa at that time was the third most expensive city in Canada behind Toronto and Vancouver to live in. Job that, not really his gift mix, making peanuts in the third most expensive city in Canada. And the goal is to pack away as much money as possible so he can go back and finish his degree. How about no? But you know what? Our initial response to God's plans can be wrong. Let me ask you a question this morning. Look at your particular situation, particular circumstances that you're in, and you have been reflecting and you've come up with a particular course of action, whether that's in relationship, finances, whatever it is. Is it possible... Is it possible that the course of action that you've planned is the wrong course of action? Right? God sometimes interrupts our plans with his plans, and the initial response to God's plans is sometimes the wrong response. Second thing I want to point to you uh, from our passage is this, that God always desires that we make his plans our plans. God always desires that we make his plans our plans. Look at verses 20 and 21. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." 
So on the one hand, God's plans are always best because whereas our plans are for us, God's plans are for everyone. Right? When this happens and Joseph is just confronted with these completely unexpected circumstances with his betrothed pregnancy, he's naturally thinking about himself. I mean, it's only natural. He's the victim, so to speak, the hurt one, the betrayed one. So he's thinking about himself. Okay, uh, God says, Deuteronomy 24, I can divorce her. Rabbinic teaching says I have to divorce her. I'm going to cut my losses and reboot with someone else. So all my plans with her, done, cut off. I'm going to reboot. Because he's thinking about himself. But God invades his space. And God effectively tells Joseph, you know what, Joseph, life isn't just about you. The life that you live is not just about you. You have to live it, but none of us live our lives in isolation. We live lives that are, that are interdependent with other people. You are interconnected with people here, with people outside of this church, with people outside of Cambridge, outside of Ontario. Our lives are interconnected. We do not live our lives in a vacuum. And so the life that you live is never just about you. It might feel like it's just about you, and it is your life because you do have to live it, but it's never, ever just about you. What was going on with Joseph, it wasn't just about him. So know this, whatever you're going through right now, whatever circumstances that you find yourselves in, blindsided by, it is not just about you. God's plans are always best because whereas our plans are for us, God's plans are for everyone. On the other hand, God's plans are always best because whereas our plans are temporary, God's plans are forever. Look at verses 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Joseph's plans were very limited, right? They were about him and his, his wife-to-be and his kids and maybe his grandkids, but they're very limited. But God's plans are unlimited, like God's plans stretch from eternity past, like, etern like infinity past. They break into our timeline and they extend all the way into the future and the forever future. Right? God's plans are completely unlimited. So God's plans are always best because they're for everyone. They're forever. And that's why God invites us to join him in the outworking of his plans. God graciously invites us to join him in the outworking of his best and forever plans. Look at verses 24 and 25. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So Joseph's knee-jerk reaction is the opposite of God's plans, right? To cut his loss and start all over again, to reboot, you know, concerned about himself, like, going into this, he's concerned about himself, his wife-to-be, his future kids, maybe grandkids, but God's plans, they're for Joseph. They include Joseph. It is his life. They extend beyond him to his wife, to his kids, and to the whole world because one of Mary's sons is Jesus, and through Jesus, the whole world would be blessed. I love how Luke puts it in his gospel. Luke says, Behold, 
I bring you good news that will be of great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So Joseph had a choice to make, right? He could have focused uh, on himself, his hurt, his betrayal, his humiliation, focused on that and just rebooted. Or he could have been open to the possibility that maybe God was at work doing something through all this. My friend Jeff, uh, long ago, he had a choice to make, right? Remember, he, off his radar, he's, God's calling him to ministry, and so he goes to seminary to get training, runs out of money, comes back home. He's got to make as much money as fast as possible so he can go back and finish it off. And this church comes and says, hey, be our youth pastor in the third most expensive city in Canada, and we'll pay you peanuts, and Jeff's initial response is, hmm, I don't know about that. But you know what? Jeff is an earnest guy, a godly young guy. And he said, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll pray about this. I'll seek the Lord and I'll pray. And as he sought the Lord and prayed, he sensed God was calling him to serve as a youth pastor in that church. He sensed God was saying, you know what, Jeff? It's not just about you. But there's something I want to do up there with those folk and I want to use you to be part of me extending my kingdom there in Ottawa. And so Jeff went there, and he served there as a youth pastor for four years. And of his pastoral stops, that is his favorite church, because he saw God do amazing things there. Amazing things. And yeah, by the way, Jeff did make it back to school. He did four years there, and then he went back to school full-time, finish it off as a full-time student, debt-free. God sometimes changes our plans so that we might play a part in his plans to change the world. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you open to that possibility that perhaps God is inviting you to take up his plans to change the world around you? And are you ready? Please pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we pause in your presence. Thanking you, Lord, that you broke into this world in such a dramatic way. You created this world so long ago, and we read about it, that you spoke life into being. You spoke existence from nothing. And then transcending creation that the Son, Jesus, was born into this world to kickstart and ignite your master plan whereby you reveal your glory to creation in a magnificent way. And Lord, you, you redeemed us and you um, have set us apart in order to invite us through the gospel to uh, extend your ways, your kingdom, your presence in our communities. Father, we, we thank you for this invitation. You didn't choose angels to do it. You chose us. Father, forgive us when we get in the way of what you want to do. Forgive us when we feel we know best rather than you, Father. 
Lord, I pray for anyone here who uh, is in a particularly difficult situation of some kind. You know their situation. And so I would pray, Lord God, that you would, even in this moment, impart fresh grace to them, into their spirit, that they would feel a real buoyed in their spirit, real uplifting to enable them to, to walk the race that you've set out before them to walk, to walk and not grow weary, to run and not to faint, Lord God, knowing that you are the Lord and there's none like you and you are, you are carrying them and you're leading them and you're guiding them, Father God. And so I want to pray a uh, release of your spirit to do that this morning, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for all these things in Jesus' name.